On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost. No, no, no! She didn't kill him. Huh? In your true crime podcast. It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your run. And Brooks is here for every runner, doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks, run happy. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food. What makes Smart Food so smart? It's Air Pop Popcorn, tossed in white cheddar cheese, only 70 calories per cup. A notorious black bag of popcorn deliciousness. You are what you eat. Welcome to the Smart Club. Shop now at snacks.com. Welcome, brother friends. This is Reconsidering WCW Nitro. I am Dr. Damien Gibson, and joining me, as always, to help me break down this particular episode of Nitro is Sir Matthew Kafer. I feel like you should um, start taking uh, bits of things that the commentators say about Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and, and uh, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> like, that piece of garbage. You know, on this episode, I love with uh, Tony. Uh, I can't say Shivoni anymore. Sh- sh- <laughs> you can't. Skiavone, Shivoni, Shivoni. Just go Skiavone. I'm so used to Tony saying Skiavone because of Chris Jericho. Tony Shivoni. Shivani. 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 Fuck. Anyway, I love Tony Shivani like uh, apologizing for saying hell <laughs> on the pay per view. <laughs> It's so quaint. <laughs> it's like I have to truly apologize, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, <clears throat> uh, I think this episode has some of the better in-ring wrestling we've seen on an episode of Nitro, but did anything really happen until the last 15 minutes? No, would be my answer. <laughs> no, do you, do you want to, are you going to run through the card? Is this how I- we're going to do this? Uh, well, melts, melts down, then run through oh, the you card. you want to melt down? Yep. And then we'll talk about Kevin and Scott. That seems to be <laughs> <laughs> the show. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is the, you know, biggest storyline of all time. Uh, you would expect it to be a big news week. Uh, it was not. Um, the, uh. Blood Runs Cold is going to be several wrestlers, one of whom will be Ray Lloyd. That is absolutely correct. Uh, we're still we're still a, a while away, I think, from Blood Runs Cold actually debuting. Mm-hmm. Uh, WCW has made a three-year, 400000 per year offer to Davey Boy Smith. Uh, while Titans countered with a 250000 downside guarantee for five years. Hmm. It's interesting. Uh, that's the British bulldog for anyone who that is know. yes. Uh, Ted DiBiase will be coming in as a television announcer in the fall, and was told he'd be added to the Nitro lineup. Now, that's just a spoiler. That's not going to happen. But Ted DiBiase is going to come in. 
he's bankrolling the NWO, baby. Uh, the British Bulldog comes across as well, right? He does. Not for not for that many years, I don't believe, because he's wearing jeans and rocking up it during the Attitude Era as well. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, lots of discussion on bringing in Chris Jericho. I feel like I've said that a lot of times. Hmm. It's been uh, hanging around for a while. They must really be in discussions about bringing in Chris Jericho. Uh, in the WWF, Bret Hart is currently not under contract. The one, two, three kid has had a meeting with Vince McMahon uh, regarding returning, and nothing definite was decided. Uh, it'd be interesting to see where he ends up. Hmm. And that's uh, that's about it. There's not not a whole lot. Uh, there is Dave Meltzer does quote Bill Cosby at one point during the uh, this observer, Christ. but in 1996 you could do that still. Well, oh. yeah, I mean Dave doesn't know then, but yeah, just <laughs> man, how things have changed in 25 years, huh? I went to um, a wedding once, um, and it was after the the Cosby. It was in the in fact, it was right in the middle of the Cosby scandal. I believe he was about to go to court, mm. and the celebrant said while he was doing, you know, the sort of jazzy bit that the celebrant does about you know how they, they sort of give a little spiel, and he's like, it's not fashionable to quote Bill Cosby at weddings anymore. But and then he quoted him, and I was like sitting there, and I was thinking, you know what, he is. Very right that it's not fashionable to quote Bill Cosby in weddings because no one was like, oh, it's good that he did that. I think there was an audible groan. Fucking hell. That's insane. That, that's insane. It is you know, insane. Like, that, that's a genuine, like, that's, that's a genuine celebrity that everyone should just forget existed. You yeah, know what I mean, there's a lot yeah. of people who get like cancelled. Where I'm like, whatever. <laughs> but like the <laughs> fucking quoting Bill Cosby, and like, <laughs> well, Bill Cosby's not, a criminal. Like he's an not, actual criminal. Yes, a disgusting, vile human being. Uh, you know, it's not fashionable to quote Jeffrey Epstein, but I think this is relevant <laughs> to the day. <laughs> he knew business. Uh. <laughs> The yeah. straightest line from one point to another, uh, the quickest way to one point to another, is in a straight line on a jet. It's, it's like you're, it's like you're adopting children, and uh, the the person you're adopting them from is like, have you ever heard this Woody Allen quote about parenting? Oh my god! There, you know, there's there's <laughs> there's nothing good about starting your uh, life together off with a Bill Cosby quote. Uh, what did the people getting married think about that? I've ne- I've never like actually mentioned it. I don't see them very often anymore. Uh, this right. was in the Blue Mountains in New South Wales, uh, but I, like I didn't have the heart to bring it up to them because it was yeah. like you know it was like you you know at this point everyone knew that Bill Cosby was was raping people while married. Um, oh, it was exceptionally God. strange. Anyway, that, that we've gone we've gone off the topic of nitro. <laughs> It reminds, yeah, you can see how much we don't really want to talk about Nitro. It reminds me of like the weddings I've been to, and there's whole podcasts and YouTube channels dedicated to this topic of people picking songs that sound like a wedding song, but are Mm. definitely not songs that you 
like uh, one that I heard um, as a first dance was Lover You Should Have Come Over by Jeff Buckley, <laughs> uh, which is a beautiful song musically, but lyrically, <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's in the title for fuck's sake, you know? Like, yeah. It, uh, the, yeah. I think the, the, the best of those I've ever seen was a, a dear friend of mine who also is an enormous asshole. Uh, was given the choice of his 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 bride to be chose the uh, all the songs during the wedding, and uh, he was given he was given the option of choosing their uh, first dance song, and he chose a slow piano rendition of "Creep" by Radiohead. <laughs> Without the lyrics, <laughs> that's really funny. That's pretty good, <laughs> and also gives it a real Westworld vibe as well. I don't know what that means. I'm sorry. Ah, so like when they go to so like Westworld, like there's this big theme park that's like a Western. You know, like you can interact with these AI that are basically like human beings. This is a show. Yeah, it's a TV show. And every time you walk into the saloon, they have like modern day hits playing on like the pianola. So there's oh, all these sick. there's all these pianola versions of like Radiohead songs playing in the background, <laughs> like Karma Police and Creep and stuff. Oh, I'm it's, I'm into that. That's cool. It's a great little like just affectation to the world that I loved. Anyway, it's a great show, man. Like it's brutal and fantastic and Premium television. Anyway, speaking of premium <laughs> television, let's get into this episode of Nitro, which you would think post uh, the most important pay-per-view in the history of WCW would be a huge Nitro. Not really. Uh, we did start off with a championship match. Rey Mysterio wins the Cruiserweight title against Dean Malenko uh, in a really good match that went for about 12 minutes. This uh, is... This probably is a uh, a really good match that's not one of their best matches and has a couple of botches in it, but far out if they could just wrestle forever. If they if they just had 12 minutes every Nitro, that would be perfectly fine with me. Well, you're in luck because that's essentially what's going to happen for the next <laughs> at least two or three years <laughs> at the that's start true. of every Nitro. Uh, next up, we had a, t- a tag team match between the Blue Bloods uh, who defeated Big Bubba and Hugh Morris. Yeah. Uh, then we had another good match, Eddie Guerrero versus Psychosis. Mm. Man, that wig. Where do you get <laughs> those wigs, Psychosis? Beautiful. You uh, should tweet him, though. I think he might be in prison, so you might have to write to him. Yeah, I'm cool. Uh, the Next up, we had the WCW World Tag Team number one contenders match. The Steiner brothers defeated the Nasty Boys. Thank Christ. <laughs> uh, then we had a WCW United States. A United States heavyweight title match. I suppose actually, when you look through the card on paper, it does look like a big card. It's but pretty stacked, re- but in reality, it wasn't much. Uh, Ric Flair no. defeated Jim Powers. Um, don't call Jim Powers a jobber. He does not like that. I looked him up on Wikipedia, and he does not like being called a jobber, even though he pretty much lost professionally for fifteen years. Um, Next up, we have Chris Benoit, who defeated Sergeant Craig Pittman, who's got Teddy Long as a manager. Oh, I, I it's a, feel like I somehow have completely forgotten that already, and I watched this last night. It's a tag match, player, player. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, good times. Uh, and then we ended with a singles match where Sting defeated Arn Anderson, but really uh, that went for 12 minutes. Really that whole segment and everything that happened after it, as usual at the moment, was all about uh, the big man and the medium-sized man, uh, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Um, so basically uh, I'm having a look here and there's an image with Hulk Hogan. But he wasn't on this episode. No. Am I going through the... This is the right card, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's just the image gallery is the uh, correct. Sting, Sting's promo here is very, very good. It is. He is. I, I'm, I know this is the right card. I'm just having that moment where I'm like, have I got the right card up? No, you're on... Are you it's on the, pro wrestling dot fandom? Yeah, it's the 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 galleries are, di- are different. I, I'm on the exact same site. Yeah, oh god, it just gave me an absolute heart attack. I was like, "What's going on here?" Anyway, yeah, Sting did cut a really good promo, and it, it's uh, it was a glimpse into what's going to happen in the future. Even though Sting doesn't really cut a lot of promos, but mm. um, it, it it was interesting to watch this episode straight after watching Double or Nothing this week, uh, and just being like. Yeah, man. Sting's really good. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think he sort of... So, it, it, the content of it is essentially him saying, like, look, Hulk Hogan's been acting weird for, like, the last few months. Like, he called me and Lex little dogs. Like, it was. it's kind of great that he sort of brings up the history of the show. Like, it's not like, hey, you all got swerved, which would happen, you know, later in the Vince Russo WCW era where... Out of nowhere, something that would make no sense would happen just to shock people. Like what mm. Sting's saying is, actually, this does kind of make sense. This has been this has been on the cards for a while. I didn't expect it, but I'm not shocked by it. Mm. And I think that's great storytelling. Yeah, definitely. Everything to do with the the Sting, um, I suppose the NWO. They're not quite called the NWO yet. It's interesting to see mm. like. With the interview with Kevin and and Scott afterwards, um, that they're still kind of because he said uh, Kevin Nash says like um, something along the lines of like this segment is brought to you by the Outsiders and Hollywood Hogan, mm. you know, like they mm. haven't a hundred percent. Like there's little bits of stuff that will come up in the future. Like this segment is brought to you by the NWO. Um, I didn't realize they'd gone Hollywood really Hogan. That early as well. Well, Macho Man calls him Hollywood Hogan, right? Mm. I think so, yeah. Macho's promo was pretty good as well. I felt like that was prime Macho Man when he's really angry <laughs> and mm. just really at the top of his range. Yeah. Uh, just like <laughs> it's, it, it is very hard to take someone dressed like that seriously, though. Especially in 1996, you know? <laughs> yeah. It is It is one of those weird things where early WCW really does, if you're like me and you're not an 80s wrestling guy, you're a 90s wrestling guy. Like I would say you, you sort of have like fond memories of rock and wrestling, whereas like I just, yeah, I just don't. Yeah, because when I started watching wrestling. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas I was a 90s person. Um, it is hard sometimes to see 
why you know why people like Macho Man and Ric Flair and you know that sort of tier of massive massive eighties legend are considered that way from their work at this point. Yeah, definitely, oh, definitely Ric Flair. Fuck. Oh, blah. Yeah. Um, I drifted off a little bit uh, while Rick was uh, wrestling, and I looked up uh, some at uh, what the songs and films were that were released Ooh. this week. Yes, let's go. You want to go through? Yeah. Uh, not a great week as far as releases <laughs> were concerned as well. Let's start with films. The only film, really, the only Hollywood film released this week that people mm. would know. There were some, uh, there were some other films, some art house films, but let's not go into that. <laughs> um, well, I just don't want to bore. You know. Anyway. Anyway. Harriet the Spy. Have you ever heard uh, of the film? I um, I saw Harriet the Spy at the movies. Like at this point, mm-hmm. I was I was seven years old. Like this is. This is right in my, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think not only did I see Harriet the Spy in the movies, I had the movie edition of the novel with Michelle Trachenberg's picture on the front. And I think I might have had a diary that was a Harriet the Spy. I don't know. It seems sort of weird that I was that oh, into wow. Harriet. I don't think I was that into Harriet the Spy. So I did like have a few Harriet the Spy things. Uh Michelle Trachenberg. Is it Trachenberg? Is that how yeah. you pronounce that? Yeah. Um, I know her from uh, she ends up playing uh, Dawn Summers, which is Buffy's yes. sister on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the greatest TV show ever made. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for, about, for about a season and a half. Uh, I loved it so much, man. It was, uh, I, it's on Stan and I hover over starting like i've there's been three or four times where i've gone to start watching it again and i'm like i'm 41 41 year old man if if Um, you were to ask 13 year old me what the best television show ever was if 13 to probably 18 19 20 year old me i would have been i would have said buffy however i did re-watch it in my mid-20s and Mm. uh first season whatever second season third season unbelievably good even though Mm. like the acting's bad. The great, the but who cares? Like, who gives a shit about that? Yeah, it's um, a B grade TV show. Yeah, season four is maybe the when she goes to university. Ooh, that is a a rough, rough, rough watch. Yeah, season. What is it with season fours? Community season four, Buffy season four, the fourth year of World Championship Wrestling, nineteen ninety nine. That's true. <laughs> of, of Nitro, sorry. It's the cursed year. Mm. Um, some songs were released this week. Uh, Wannabe by the Spice Girls, um, probably single-handedly killing the Britpop revolution that was happening at the time <laughs> with this song. Um, my sister was uh, 13 when this mm. song arrived and oh, was Spice Girls mania happening in our house? You fucking bet it was. What did uh, your spice, family think about spice about- girls and friends? <laughs> was uh, was my sister's? She had shrines to both of them in her bedroom, and she was like, "If you want to fuck me, you have to fuck my friends as well." Which I believe is the prom- premise of the song "Wannabe." Pretty much, I my I think my mum liked them because you know, strong feminist, and she liked the girl power thing and blah blah. Even though it was like a you know kind of like plastic feminist. Thing. It was. I think Mum was like, "Well, Vanessa's going to be into something. I'd prefer the message <laughs> to be this than you know, like 
Mm. My sister grew out of it pretty quickly, though. She got into cool music pretty quickly after this. Uh, speaking of not cool music, Leanne Rhymes rem- <laughs> released Blue. Remember how every- everyone's mum's favourite singer was Leanne Rhymes for six months? Is it- I well, only- it's because I of this song. <laughs> I don't know that song, but I know um, we watched Con Air recently and Leanne Rhymes' How Do I Live Without You features absolutely perfectly in one of the greatest uses of music in a movie ever. Like people talk about Tarantino. But Nick Cage in slow motion in a singlet with his really, really like you t- he needed a psychosis wig at this point uh, with his long, sweaty, gross, greasy hair to How Do I Live Without You? I was, you know, it was good. Yeah, Nick Cage, man. What a, the, maybe the most interesting Hollywood career of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, one that I just stuck in here because it's still one of my favourite songs of all time, Where It's At by Beck was released this this week. That's definitely the best release of the week. Yeah, for sure. The train, the train Spotting soundtrack was released this week as well. Oh, yeah. Which, loomed, which loomed very large in my legend by this stage. Mm. I was absolutely, to call myself an Anglophile in 1996 would be uh, <laughs> not doing myself justice. I was fucking obsessed to the point where I feel like I had like a Union Jack like bag, like satchel bag. <laughs> so like, yeah. Just- my family are very Irish, and like I might have been in a bit of strife with my grandfather. Oh, my my dad fucking hated it. Hated <laughs> it. Hated the fact that I was parading a Union Jack around. I was like, oh, whatever, Granddad. It's a pop culture symbol. He was like, he was just, he would like look at me like, just read a fucking book for fuck's sake. Stop watching movies. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and then you gave him the peace sign, said girl power and fucked off. I did. And then I, to, I did an Austin Power dance down the street. <laughs> uh, so that was a lot more fun than watching a Ric Flair match. Uh, mm. <laughs> for anyone who's new, that's what we do. Every time Ric Flair appears in the in the episode, we end up talking about what movies and films, uh, what songs and films were released that week. So we can ignore Rick. Um, Kevin Nash, I feel like, really loosens up and 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 mm. comes into his own in this segment, right? Uh, yep. So if you haven't watched the episode, essentially towards the end of the episode, Eric Bischoff, who doesn't is not overly convincing. In like I think <laughs> I think he's trying to portray that he's a bit sketchy in mm. this episode. Like he wasn't at the pay per view, and then like because he's done some good acting recently. Mm. And um, but this one I was like, I don't. I think he's trying to convey that he's sketchy, and it's just coming across as really bad acting. Yeah, <laughs> but he announces that there's a limo out the back, and they're here, and then Bobby is like, Oh no, oh no, I oh, know. Um. The outsiders come to the ring in the middle of an Arn and Sting match. Sting still pins Arn Anderson, but then Arn and Sting sort of join forces. And we'll see this a lot going forward of like the WCW mm. wrestlers, um, you know, putting their differences aside to compete against the NWO. Uh, a lot. Nothing, nothing, we'll see it a lot, but it's great. So, you know, I'm mm. into it. Um, a whole bunch of security guards come out and, and keep the outsiders from uh, Sting. Sting cuts the great promo that you were talking about before, and then <clears throat> Mean Gene interviews uh, 
Kevin and Scott, who just do some great work leaning up against the back of the <laughs> limousine. And it looks like they're parked on like Main Street. For anyone who's been to a Disneyland or a Disney World, it looks like they're just parked on Main Street, like where all the parades and stuff happen. Because <laughs> there's like just hundreds of tourists walking past as they're shooting this thing uh, with the occasional sort of middle-aged man looking like, is that Kevin Nash? Yeah. It's Diesel and Razor Ramon. <laughs> shut up, shut up. Uh, are you watching this now? Are you as excited to watch uh, the birth of the NWO as you were back in the day? I mean, no. Uh, back in the day, I was like, Hulk Hogan, go to hell, you piece of of, of <laughs> garbage. Like I was, you know, I was way into it uh, back in the day. I'm not sure it's going to capture me in the same way, but it is good. It's well told. It's shockingly, uh, absolutely shockingly uh, sparse in how how slow they're willing to do this. Mm. Like this is this is not, uh, you know more modern wrestling that really just, you know, every story has to be told within a three-hour roar uh, and, you know, there can be no additional elements to that story and it will be told four times until the pay-per-view where it will be told again and then they'll consider not telling it and telling a different story and then, you know, repeat the process or they'll just keep telling you the exact same story. Like this is slow bits of information, you know, each chapter, uh, you know, just dripping with what people want. Mm. Um, and I tell you what, people did want this. Do you want to hear the rating? Yeah, I was just going to say one last thing before we get into the ratings. Oh, please. The, the, the one thing that does st- stand out for me is, is, one, how good the storytelling is with the Outsiders and Hulk Hogan mm. and everything um, and how it is that it's elevating the other people in the, like Macho and Sting both cut good promos here and it's it's just really interesting to see that, like, it's amazing what good storytelling can, tell, can do in wrestling. All of a sudden I'm interested yeah. in Macho Man and Sting, which for mm. the last year... Didn't really give a shit. <laughs> um, they just it's they just haven't gotten to the point where they're doing the same thing for everybody else on the card. Once that yeah. starts happening, I'll be really really into it. But anyway, what what was happening with the ratings? So uh, Nitro got a three point five, and Raw got a two point five. So this is a, a serious oh. gap. Yeah. But st- we're, we're all uh, still doing okay. Mm, it's definitely not going to be, the, it's not the doldrums of where things will get to uh, for a very brief period of time. Uh, and I mean, the, the doldrums of where Raw gets to are, are probably the kind of ratings that WWE or AEW or anyone else would, you know, completely go crazy for right now if they got those same mm. ratings. Uh, but yeah, things, things, things are, are picking up at WCW and starting to drop at WWF. Yeah, well, it's understandable because the story, the storytelling is really good. And not having really watched any of that early Raw, mm. um, I don't know if they're doing that kind of storytelling over there, but it feels like they're just sort of putting three matches on a week and 
and you can't compete. You can't compete with the NWO if that's what you're doing. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Um, but yeah, uh, we have basically gone through everything that there is to say about this episode. NWO good, uh, Sting and <laughs> Macho good. Ray Mysterio is now your cruiserweight champion. That's it. That's everything, guys. It's pretty. It's um, pretty good when you put it like that, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm cherry-picking. We had to watch Rick, um, you know. But anyway, I thought about Leanne Rhymes Blue instead. Um, if you what, – what am I doing? If you want to uh, support us or help us, the best way to do it is to uh, subscribe. Uh, if you subscribe to the WrestleWolf feed, uh, you'll get all our podcasts. You'll get this one that you're listening to right now. Uh, you'll get the weekly show where Matt and I dissect everything that's happening in the 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 world of wrestling. Usually, AEW Dynamite is the main thing we talk about. Uh, the our monthly ECW show, which is heaps of fun to watch, even more fun to record, uh, and it seems like you guys are into it as well. And any other weird thing that we come up with in the future, which I'm sure will happen because we get excited about something, <laughs> we end up doing <laughs> podcasts about it. Uh, if you subscribe, you don't have to worry about it because you'll get all of it. Um, the other way you can help us is by following us on Twitter. Uh, we're at WrestleWolfPod, like our good friends, RJ City, uh, Warhorse, Dan House, and a whole bunch of guys uh, have <laughs> over there. You want to know what we're talking about? Follow us on Twitter. Uh, but until next time, brother friends, Hulk Hogan can go to hell. <laughs>